Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hello and welcome to the Ranchers Rapture Podcast. I am your host, Mike Bassetti. Joined with me today, we have on Joshua Howe, or is it Ho? Joshua Howe, right? Howe, oh, yep. You Josh, Joshua Howe um, with the Raptors Republic, and we have on Trey Flynn with Bullets Forever. How are you guys doing? Great, thanks for having us. Yeah, doing really good, thank you. Um, guys, I have you on. We are recording this Saturday morning after a Wizards win in Game 3 of the series um guys i guess i'll start with you josh what is your overall takeaway from the series thus far um thus far uh pretty good i mean i i picked raptors in five i knew if the wizards were going to win a game and i thought they would that it would be game three um you know they really the raptors i, I felt like they mostly shot themselves in the foot in game three um the first two games they came out and they really played their style they played um, smart. They, um, you know, the, the Wizards sent a lot of traps and stuff at uh, Lowry and DeRozan uh, early on because they wanted to get the ball out of their hands and see if the their new style would actually translate, I guess. And, and it did, and it worked. Um, that was one of the issues last night in Game 3 where the Wizards decided to back off uh, Lowry and DeRozan a bit and give them some more space. And uh, they ended up forcing some tougher passes um, that just weren't there because the Wizards weren't, you know, sending two guys at them all the time. Um, so, you know, the, the, there's some adjustments and some things. I think the Raptors just really, like, kind of got in their heads and didn't play their typical game last night. But uh, overall, I think they have uh, a lot of advantages that they've seen um, that they know can work, uh, especially inside when Valanciunas is on his game. Um, he's been unstoppable. Uh, obviously, that wasn't the case last night. Um, OG has been incredible. He's been one of the best parts of the series. He was the best player on the Raptors last night. Um, and uh, so, yeah, uh, other than, you know, I think I think it's going pretty well, actually. Um, we'll have to see how game four, uh, how it starts off in the first quarter. Yeah, I think a, a big portion of game three, you saw just the Wizards, a team with their back against the wall, and they played with a little more urgency. And the Raptors had a lot of kind of careless turnovers that you didn't see in the first two games, which made a big impact um, offensively. And then defensively, I think John Wall and Bradley Beal had the first time that they actually played well at the same time. And I think John Wall really taking advantage in the pick and roll helped get Gortat going um, on that end of the court. But, Trey, what was your takeaway from the first three games so far? Uh, my takeaway, at first, I was uh, pretty scared for us. I know we were joking before in that first uh, pod about Ty Lawson and picking him up, but he's looked pretty well, uh, pretty good so far. And with that whole PED um, situation with Jody Meeks, I got a little nervous for us there at the beginning. I think that we've shown a lack of team chemistry in those first two games, and I think with having John Wall out for such a long period of time, um, it's uh, he's needed some time with the Wizards starting lineup to get you know back in the groove, and I think that we saw that last night with Game Three, and I think we'll probably continue to see that in Game Four. I have this series going seven games, and I'll stick with that. Um, 
I think that Washington, if they can do what they did last night and be aggressive, um, maybe not too aggressive as they were last night, which we'll probably get into later, uh, this will definitely go to a, a seven-game series or at least that six-game series in Toronto, which will be tough. Josh, what do you think the biggest difference um, from games one and two to three was? Oh, it was the turnovers, 100%. Uh, the Raptors had 19 turnovers, and they gave up 28 points off of those 19 turnovers. They just they just weren't they weren't playing uh, smart. They weren't you know delivering the passes at the right time or at the right place. They were forcing a lot of stuff. Um, DeRozan's obviously become a much better playmaker this season, and even last night he was forcing some wild passes. Um, you, you, typically, he doesn't leave his feet anymore unless he knows he's got the right pass by driving down into the middle and pulling some guys with him and kicking it out. But even those last night, he was making some bad ones on the baseline. Uh, guys were picking it off. Um, the Wizards backed off Lowry a little bit. Like It seemed like they were trying to make him score a bit more, which is interesting. Um, Lowry hasn't obviously uh, been like red-hot uh, scoring in this series. He's done a lot of other things, including... Um, a lot of great playmaking. Uh, but when the Wizards backed off him a little bit in Game 3 and dared him to score a little bit more and weren't sending traps at him, he was still trying to force some passes that just weren't there. So, um, you know, I, I think I think those were the biggest differences. And the the Raptors had a little bit of issue getting the ball inside um, to balance units. There were a couple at the beginning. They had some good pick and rolls with him. They ended up having him get inside easier, but... That didn't work too well, and then he was pulled, uh, you know, to put in Pirtle or to put in um, even Bebe made a stint, but uh, he had to get pulled because he just isn't as good when, you know, uh, players are able to break down uh, the Raptors perimeter defenders and get inside because he immediately comes out to help. And then the dump-off pass is right there for guys like Gortat to get inside and score. Uh, so there was that, and then there was just uh, John Wall. He was he was hitting his mid-range jumpers. You know, um, that's tough. He hasn't he hasn't been good at hitting those shots in the season this year, um, but he was hitting them last night, and that was good for them. And Bradley Beal was uh, scoring in transition, uh, a lot of transition threes, and um, yeah. So the Wizards definitely capitalized on the Raptors' mistakes, and you know that's good for them. And the Raptors gotta gotta figure it out and uh, not make the same mistakes going into Game Four. Yeah, to your point, Kyle Lowry had five turnovers last game, which is obviously too many. He's averaging uh, he's averaging pretty close to five turnovers, I think just over four a game so far this postseason. So it's kind of been a problem for all three games, Kyle Lowry. And like you said, he isn't shooting great. He's playing okay um, overall. I think his floor game's a lot better than his shooting. Um, but... For the Raptors, I guess it kind of goes back to you You need a little bit more out of Kyle Lowry, I think, especially on the offense. Um, Trey, from your perspective, what was the biggest change in the game kind of from a Wizards side of view? Well, from the Wizards, uh, it was different each game. We had a different um, uh, problem with each game or even something going right for us each game that didn't work out in our favor in the first two games at least. So for game one, uh, the bench, we just couldn't stop. Toronto's bench. I mean, C.J. Miles and DeLon Wright totaled 30 points in Game 1, and DeRozan Lowry totaled 28 points. So when you have two guys coming off your bench for Toronto um, with C.J. Miles and DeLon Wright who are having coming-out parties, or at least for DeLon Wright, scoring more than your two you know, perennial all-stars and DeRozan and Lowry, that's not a good sign for Washington. So their defense off the bench was poor. Mahinmi um, only got three minutes, which I know uh, me and you, Mike, talked about that in our last pod that Mahimi probably needed more minutes to keep up with Toronto with the big men that you guys have. Mm-hmm. Um, so it made us more, it made it more difficult for us. Um, Mark Keith Morris gave us some good looks. He had 22, 11 and six with zero turnovers. So that was a good game for him. But that first game was really just trying to stop the bench. And then for the second game, it was uh, really a completely different situation. We just played incredibly poor defense. I mean, the, the score was 130 to 119 in the second game going to Toronto um, but it really felt like it was a 130 to 100 type of game. It's just we had some empty points in the end of that fourth quarter. But uh, it, it was a it was a franchise record 44 point first quarter for Toronto, and obviously Washington can't let that happen. I mean, when DeRozan and Lowry really feeling it and they're lighting up in that first quarter, it's really hard to stop them. And then Bradley Beal had the worst plus minus in Washington playoff history with a negative 34, which is never a good sign, especially for Bradley Beal, who's not a bad defender. He just had a really bad game and. He had also the infamous putting my head in a towel game while Ortot and Wall are going to argue for the next five minutes on the bench, which I'm pretty sure was on Bleacher Report for like three days. 
So that that was uh, definitely disappointing. And then going into game three, I think that they were just fed up. And I know me and you, Mike, talked about in our last pod that, uh, you know, we were going to maybe interiorly, um, you know, blow up Washington. And I think they kind of just let everything out in game three. And that's why you saw that aggression. I think that was the difference maker. I think we got in Toronto's head a little bit more than the first two games. And being at home definitely helped. And I think D.C. fans as a whole, because we have hockey going on and out with playoffs, are just fed up. So the whole crowd was loving it. And it was just a, uh, a good aggressive game for us. And sometimes if we can get in the opponent's head, we seem to come out on top. And that's just the type of basketball we need to play going into game four. Well, and to speak on Gortat and Wall, I I saw personally at least kind of four wall drop-offs to Gortat, and he had 16 points and was 8 of 10, and obviously he played much better in Game 3 than he did the first two games of the series. Do you think that he's someone they need to have a big performance on moving forward if they have any chance to win? I think that Gortat, those 16-point games, um, they're definitely helpful, and I think that those dump-offs from Wall are going to keep coming because you know Wall's averaging about 27 13 assists um, this series. So they're going to keep coming to Gortat, and he'll get his easy 12, 14 points a game. But I really think the key factor for Washington to get to a Game 7 series and make this an actual series is on Otto Porter. Uh, Otto Porter really hasn't done anything. He's been pretty much invisible, and it looks like Mike Scott's pretty much coming for his contract at this point. I mean, it's it's uh, it's kind of embarrassing. I mean, Otto Porter's been going through a lot of injuries sort of the end of the season, but he's almost disappeared on the offensive end, and on the defensive end, he's been good. He was good last night at least, but the first two games he wasn't great. So there's really not a lot um, to say about him. And even though Gortat did have a good game, I would say the key for the rest of the series is on Otto Porter, unless Mike Scott wants to keep playing at this level. Well, yeah, Mike Scott's been absolutely phenomenal. He was 4-4 last night, 2-2 um, two two from 3, 2-2 two two from the line. Yeah. Uh, Morris was cut to only 18 minutes, and yep. if Mike Scott's playing this well, you obviously have to continue to give him the run over Morris. Um, but Otto Porter Jr., I think the most concerning part of it is the Raptors are hiding their worst defender on him and putting DeMar over there while they let OG take Bradley Beal. And in that yep. situation, when you have the the worst of the wing defenders, you would hope he would be a little more aggressive and hope he would at least do something. I was a fan of Otto Porter Jr. when they gave him the contract. I know a lot was spoken of it, but you just need a better performance from your third guy than this. And I and I do get it because of the injuries at the end of the season that he might be um, just in there as a filler for right now just to kind of you know throw the defense off because he does have that um, length that really throws off the other team's offense. Um, so if he really is battling injuries and we have an 80% Otto Porter, that would make sense. Um, but like we were saying last time, that he is our most consistent player. And luckily, we've had Mike Scott pretty much fill that consistent role. And I would even argue that a guy like Mike Scott has been maybe the fifth best player in this series um, or sixth best player in the series, which is a crazy thing to say about a guy who averaged about 13 minutes a game in the regular season. So, Josh, what? What do you think the Raptors can do, kind of, and I can't believe I'm saying in the middle of a playoff series, what can the Raptors do to slow down Mike Scott here? Um, he's kind of eaten us alive, and you would think playing the majority of his minutes against Pascal Siakam, that would be a, ma- a matchup that would even favor Toronto. Um, and kind of what can the Raptors do, do you think, to slow him down here? Um, I mean, part of it, part of me wants to say it's okay, and to let Scott um, get some of those points because, I mean, games one and two, he, he did play really well, and the Raptors still won by playing their game. Um, the issue there has mostly been um, the Raptors' bench. I mean, so far, honestly, like, we, the Raptors are really missing Fred Van Vliet. It's pretty obvious. Missing his leadership maybe more than anything uh, with that second unit. Um, they just look a little out of sorts, um, and DeLon's doing his best, you know, to, to run things, but it's 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 been a tough go uh, without Van Vliet and Pirtle and Siakam especially have been um, not their usual selves. Uh, in in the case of guarding Mike Scott, yeah, Siakam has been on him a lot, and the Raptors uh, will get a little help conscious a lot of the time, and mm-hmm. um, you know Siakam he'll leave him a lot, um, <laughs> and he ends up getting open shots, um, and he's been making them. And, and again, sometimes you know that's okay. Uh, you want to take away other things if other players are rolling, but <clears throat> the Raptors tend to overreact sometimes. They get in their own, their own heads about um, somebody scoring or somebody not scoring, and they'll either back off or get right up into them, and then it throws things off. 
and instead of sticking to their normal game, they open things up for the other team to take advantage of. So, you know, Siakam's been been a little too health conscious. Pirtle's guilty of that as well. Um, he's been leaving Scott a lot, and uh, Scott's been making him pay. So I really think it's just, you know, the Raptors need to do what they were doing the first two games, try and stay focused, uh, try and stay on their matchups and to, to the defensive scheme, to their game plan. Um, again, even the bench in the first two games was having a little bit of a tough time with that, and it's really been the starting lineup that's been saving them. So, you know, we as we saw like last night, like you can't, you can't play OG, you know, an, an extensive amount of minutes and expect him to keep up the intensity he normally does. Like he plays like 20 minutes a game mm-hmm. typically, and he was gassed last night after he got past like you know 16 minutes in the first half kind of thing. He was he was getting pretty tired. So, um, yeah, you just you basically need better play out of those guys, and we know that they can do it. Um, they'll they'll have to show it soon. And it's probably I would say the most surprising part of the series so far has been the fact the Wizards bench has outplayed the Raptors bench. Um, Coming in, Trey, when we talked, I said if the Raptors starters play to play the Wizards starters equal, you would take that every time because the Wizards aren't an incredibly deep team, and the Raptors are, and they've won the entire season, kind of. Their bench has been, even if the starters don't play well, you saw the bench come in and give a jolt of energy. And part of it is Fred VanVleet, and part of it is just players not playing well. Like you said, Josh, Jakob Pertl and Pascal Siakam haven't been quite themselves on offense, and it's probably been the most... It's kept the Wizards in the series so far, and I think I would have predicted the opposite if we had started this early on. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree to that, and kind of going off the Van Vliet thing, I think that Toronto definitely misses his playmaking ability, and also what you were saying earlier about the leadership, definitely that aspect. <clears throat> but something that um, Washington's been waiting to bring out, because they've been waiting for Van Vliet to come back out, is Sedaransky. And Tomas Sedaransky is probably our third or fourth best defender, and he's been really good at this year about um, defending guards, because he's a six-seven and he has that length. Uh, so I think they've been waiting to use Sedaransky um, for when Van Vliet does come back. And luckily, we've had a guy like Ty Lawson come and average 9-4-5 and five, and have some good games in game um, in game two and a little bit last night on defense too. So we've been lucky in that aspect as well. Yeah, and Ty Lawson, um, we kind of mocked the signing before the playoffs, and he's been great for you guys so far, and he's really made an impact offensively that I didn't think Ty Lawson would have at this point. In it. Yeah, it's been a, uh, a great surprise, and we were joking about the Kendrick Perkins thing, but I'm glad we got more of a uh, young Ty Lawson than the current Kendrick Perkins suit form for the Cavaliers. Yeah, the human six fouls Kendrick Perkins has made <laughs> less of an impact than uh, Ty Lawson, certainly in this series. Um, looking at some lineup data from the series so far, the four-man lineup of Miles Potal, Siakam, and Wright has a net rating of minus 33.8 when on the court together. Um, And it's only 28 minutes, so some of that is small sample size, but that's still not good if you're Toronto and you've been relying on your bench all season and this is what you're getting up. But as we move, kind of, Trey, what has been your biggest positive of the series and the thing that you think the Wizards need to continue to take advantage of if they are going to kind of win game four and make this a series? Um, not sure you guys are going to like this one too much, but I think that Washington's done a real good job of attacking Kyle Lowry's lack of defense in this series. I mean, John Wall is pretty much showing that all those questions about his injury are now gone. He does make questionable decisions toward the end of the game, but he's averaging some of the best numbers in the playoffs thus far in any of the series. He's averaging 27 points, 13 assists, four rebounds, and three steals in 36 minutes a game. So he's been all over the court. And if Bradley Beal can play with that fire from last night, that backcourt is uh, really dangerous. And we have two really young guys who, a lot like Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan, um, are going to you know, lead the backcourt to the East. And if this matchup continues, it could really go seven-game series. So I expect to, I expect Wall to just keep doing what he's doing. And probably the most surprising thing is him, and uh, besides the Mike Scott surprise, is John Wall being at 100%, um, playing with fire, playing with passion, and... Um, and not seeing Washington blow up from inside, and rather last night uh, seeing those technicals and flagrant fouls called, um, just trying to get in the heads of Toronto, which has been um, a positive for us. Josh, do you kind of have any thoughts on that overall? Or, um, 
Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't say Lowry's been, like, bad on defense. Last night, definitely, Wall was taking it to him uh, a couple times, like, and especially in the post, um, which is definitely, I think, something the Wizards should look at. They they started the, the series with uh, taking Lowry in the post uh, with a bunch of a bunch of players, um, just because size advantage. Um, and the Raptors' scheme there was to funnel, was to have Lowry funnel that player into Valanciunas under the rim. And... Uh, that was interesting. It worked for a bit, and then the, the Wizards had a counter, and um, and then eventually, you know, by like game two, they just abandoned that altogether. And Lowry is notoriously a good post defender um, that a lot of um, teams never seem to realize that he's actually really good as a post defender. He's just really uh, dense. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I, Lowry's been he's been really good defending Bradley Beal in the first two games, chasing him around. It, it's been it's been the best when the Raptors have had Lowry on Beal and uh, OG on John Wall. Um, yeah, that, although that was they've been switching back and forth. That was something I wanted to ask you about. I agree with you. I, I'm not sure why we're not starting with OG on John Wall and putting the extra size and length and athleticism on him and letting Kyle Lowry kind of be the smarter defender chasing Beal off picks and doing that. is. Do you think there's any reason why Casey has continued to let... Like I said, I agree with you. I think that OG on Wall has kind of been our best matchup. Is there any reason why you think that Lowry has been guarding Wall? Um, I think maybe... I, I can't 100% answer it for sure, because I do agree that I think that is the best case, uh, way to go, and the Raptors did switch to that. Um, you know, back and forth a little bit last night, but uh, I, I I know that uh, Scott Brooks had mentioned that he wanted to get Bradley Beal more involved in Game Three, um, and and they did run a few more plays and stuff to get him uh, more looks and things um, in the, in the half court, and uh, I, I think maybe Casey's mindset there was to keep his best defender on uh, on Beal because he knew that he was going to be a focal point. Um, to try and get the Wizards going. So maybe that, but, uh, yeah, I, I do think that OG is much better suited to guard John Wall, and Lowry's been much better suited to uh, chase Beal around. Um, they've had m- much more success that way. Uh, yeah, honestly, that's the matchup I would keep going. Again, you can't you can't do it all the time because OG is just not used to those type of minutes. You know, he's not going to play 40 minutes uh, a game, so... You have to throw some different looks at Wall and Beal, but um, yeah, it, it it it's it's getting tougher for uh, Lowry to guard Wall uh, if he has a head of steam or he's in transition. And he, he did a pretty good job in the first two games at times, but uh, yeah, he's a, he's a tough guard for him just just size and athleticism wise. Right when they post him up, I think I I wasn't sure why Scott Brooks went to do that. If of all people to post up, I don't think you want to go at someone as strong and as smart as Kyle Lowry. And instead, if you're going to have Wall on Lowry, I think you want to put it in space and make Kyle Lowry deal with the athlete of John Wall because Kyle Lowry's a great player, but he's just not the athlete John Wall is um, size-wise, speed-wise, in pretty much any regard. So it confused me when he posted him up. I think this time when they ran pick and rolls, it kind of got Wall ahead of steam going towards the basket, made Valanchunas helped, and it opened up pretty much everything for the offense. Um, Trey... If they do switch to the Kyle Lowry on Bradley Beal, OG on John Wall, what what do you think Washington's counter to that would be? Well, I think this kind of goes back to the earlier point I was trying to make with Otto Porter. I think it'll it'll be up to Washington to try to. Well, essentially what Scott Brooks looks, looks like he's been doing is trying to throw some picks in there and be able to switch the defenders so he can get OG off of John Wall. And if that doesn't continue to work in, um, in game four, if Dwayne Casey can get around that, it, we were going to have to rely on guys like Morris, who did do really well in game one, or a guy like Porter. And if those guys are, you know, not quite essential to the offense, we're going to have to bring a guy like Mike Scott in and um, Gortat's going to have to get his easy buckets. But I do think OG on John Wall, that is not a favorable, that's not a favorable matchup for Washington. I do think John Wall will get his regardless. He's sort of like Damian Lillard in that way. Even if they have a good defender on him, he's going to get his. Whether it's beneficial for the team or not, he doesn't really care. So that's just the way he plays. He plays with that kind of aggression. So um, having OG on John Wall for the majority of the game will definitely help a lot because he is a fantastic young defender. Right, and I think it's John Wall, like you said, is going to get his either way. The difference is if you can make him do it on 
20 shots or if he can do it on 15 or 16, you know, just Correct. how efficient he is scoring the basketball and what you can do to limit that. Um, as we talk about defensive options and guys that have played a lot, Josh, what has been your opinion of normal Norman Powell getting minutes here in this series? And I know Bebe was kind of a game changer in game one, but what has been your thought process here with Coach Casey playing these kind of further bench guys and playing them in the case of Paul, Nagara, Brown, playing them kind of significant minutes in these games here. Yeah, the um, the hybrid lineups are not working, <laughs> to say the least. Um, I for the as for the Lorenzo Brown thing, I mean I, I get it. I mean, I get a lot of this stuff because he's trying to fill minutes for the you know, Fred Van Vliet minutes. Um, he, he needs to fill that with something and he doesn't necessarily just want to plug Lowry in for all those minutes. Um, so, you know, he has to find answers somewhere. But, I, like, I, I I hesitate to throw Brown in there ever, honestly. Um, yeah, he, he just, just hasn't played with the team all year. I mean, yeah, I mean, he's he's the G League MVP, so I guess respect there. But, but you know, this is like you're throwing him into the NBA playoffs. Um, and he just, he just, you know, the lineups with him just haven't been good and, Part of it is, you know, he's had a nice player here or there, but overall, you know, he's just, I, I just, I'm, I don't understand why Casey keeps putting him in. And, I, and last night, you know, it was a blowout, so whatever, um, throw him in there, I guess, to get him some minutes. But uh, well, it seemed he that, got minutes before it was really decided. Yeah, you know, well, yeah, those minutes I had no idea in uh, game in game two when the Wizards were making their run, he was on the floor for some of that, and I, I didn't understand why he was on the floor. Um, literally would have taken anybody else. Uh, <laughs> no offense to Brown, but I just I just wouldn't have him in the game in the playoffs if I could help it. Um, he is the Raptors' 13th man, and I, I know Casey likes to use all his guys if possible and says he, he's going to do that, but uh, I'm not sure that's a great option. Um, yeah, a lot of the other hybrid lineups, uh, not so great. Um, Lucas Naguera is, uh, is good. He's a spark plug type player. Uh, it depends what kind of lineups you plug him into. Um, if he's not playing with Lowry, that's historically bad. Mm-hmm. You you want him to come in and playing with Kyle. They have good chemistry, and Lowry knows uh, you know what to do when when Bebe's on the floor. Um, he because you know he really is uh, the rim protector and the roll man to the basket, and um, he's a good passer. But uh, it, those are the, those are the few skills that he has and is very good at. But uh, that's you know. If he's going to change a game, those are the things you need him for. And uh, depending on the lineups you throw him into, it's not necessarily going to work. Um, Norm has been okay at times. Uh, early on in the series, a couple of games earlier, he was his typical. He hasn't wasn't playing so well. Last night, in the few minutes he got, he was okay. Uh, it's it's tough for him. Um, you, you want him to do really well, but he just hasn't been good all season. And there's a, there's always a chance he can explode and have a have a big game like he did against Milwaukee in last uh, postseason. But I I don't know if you can count on that. Um, Casey just seems to keep trying it to see, and when he realizes that he's not going to have you know a huge spark like performance, he uh, just tends to limit his minutes. So yeah, that's tough. Um, you know, a lot of lineups outside of the starting lineup just have been uh, haven't been too good uh, with the bench not playing so well. Um, any lineup that has a Baca and Pirtle in it is a no go. Uh, yeah. Those lineups have not been good at all. Uh, mostly because Pirtle's having a really tough series, um, even though Baca's been great. And uh, yeah, and the DeRozan plus bench lineup also having a really tough time. So, you know, um, those guys, you know, you can't. Can't not give them minutes. Uh, I think I think Powell deserves some minutes um, in the Fred VanVleet absence and Bebe for sure in in uh, in select moments. Uh, I think he can be used really well. We saw how well he could be used in Game One, um, and he he was part of the reason that game changed. But uh, yeah, I I think those guys are. It's very you have to be very careful with how you use them and when you use them and. Um, it's it's been a little bit tough on that end, uh, and you know, no more no more Lorenzo Brown. <laughs> I I just think it's tough to ask a guy who hasn't played with your team all season to kind of throw him into the fire 
in the playoffs in a game that if you win, yep. you essentially move on to the next round. I know, obviously, they need four wins, but if you're up three nothing, um, you essentially have clinched a series, and you say now is the time to play Lorenzo Brown. And Norman Powell, has there ever been a time this season when you thought, thank God Norman Powell got into the game? I mean, I understand that you're going to need him long term, but at this point in the season, if I'm Coach Casey, I simply limit my rotation to nine people. There's plenty of teams that play nine-man rotations, and they have no problem um, doing that. You can increase Kyle and DeMar's minutes up to about 40. I don't think that there's any problem with that. DeLon Wright can play more. He played 19 minutes last night, and I understand some of this is swayed because it's a blowout, but he can play up to 25 minutes. I just think that you can increase everybody a little bit and just get by on nine people. It helps you out, and you don't have to play those guys who clearly haven't gotten the rotation all season. And Yeah, and I just I was going to say, too, I, I know I mentioned OG getting tired and stuff, but I do think OG needs minute increases. Um, yeah. I think there's been some places where they really could have used OG and uh, Casey just didn't play him for whatever reason. He decided to go with someone else. So, like, I know DeLon Wright's been playing really well, and he deserved to close a couple of those games. But um, I, I just think OG's a tougher tougher matchup for the Wizards in a yeah, lot of ways. And he's, his defense has been game-changing as far as being able to match up on everybody and really having an impact um, with – the Wizards, they rely so heavily on their outside perimeter scoring that OG really makes his biggest impact here um, because of his length and size that he provides. And as far as Bebe, I think he, he's been used correctly in this series to me. It's a see if he can give us an energy type of guy that's, you know, throw him in if it works, stick with it if it doesn't get him out. Um, I don't really have a problem with him. But like I said, I the Brown minutes, the Powell minutes, I wish – that we just cut to a nine-man rotation like most teams run and kind of got rid of those kind of very end-of-the-bench guys and even reduced them to DNPs. Um, Trey, for the Wizards, looking at Game 3, Sadoransky played only, I think, five minutes all game, and he's been replaced by Ty Lawson in the rotation and has really kind of had a limited impact on this series. Um, do you expect him to get more run, or do you think that now Scott Brooks has decided that this team is better off with Ty Lawson in the game than Sadoransky? I think they're really holding out with Sadoransky. I think they're really waiting for that Van Bleet move, because that Van Bleet move does change uh, the bench roster lineups and just your lineups in general um, completely. And once you bring Van Bleet, um, you know, possibly into the starting lineup. If you guys make that decision, then you'll bring a you know a bigger guy to your bench, and we have Centerancy come off the bench, and it's more helpful in that way. And then Ty Lawson would lose most of his minutes, and then he would go more of the five minute um, route. And that's what Scott Brooks has talked about as well. Um, and Tomas is totally fine with that. Um, but kind of going off also what you guys were saying before, it's such an interesting um, difference between the Wizards and Raptors because the Raptors have almost too many cooks in the kitchen. We you know 13 guys playing last night, and the Wizards would love to have a guy like Norman Powell. Um, and come off the bench, which would be fantastic for us. So we're kind of making do with what we have. And luckily, like we've said before, guys like Mike Scott have been playing fantastic. Gortat surprised um, a lot of people in the past couple games, especially last night. And then um, somebody who we, who's been kind of quiet, um, literally and on the stat sheet, is uh, Kelly Oubre. And uh, as many Washington fans know, Kelly Oubre is always due for that one Kelly Oubre game. And I think that we might be seeing that in this next home game. I would watch out for that. And I don't know what the Raptors um, uh, can present to a guy like Oubre who can be all over the court when he's on. He's just such an inconsistent player. But when he's on fire, that's one of our best players that we can have. And he really hasn't had that game yet, and especially with Otto Porter uh, not playing well right now. And I think he might be injury riddled. Uh, I might We might see a lot out of Kelly Oubre in this next game. And if Fred Van Vliet plays, we might see that um, – that awesome backcourt of a uh, Sederanski, um Kelly Oubre type backcourt, which would be really fun to watch. Right, yeah, I think Kelly Oubre is kind of, everybody's been talking about Otto Porter's absence, and obviously he's the third option of that team, but no one has mentioned that Kelly Oubre's been relatively quiet this series, and if he's someone who gets going, like you said, I think he could have a huge impact on the series overall, and especially, I think the Raptors are just kind of like I think most teams are for the Wizards. They're one real perimeter defensive threat away from being able to guard all three um, 
ball positions because the Raptors can score from their backcourt and the small forward position so frequently. Um, yeah. If they do get those guys going, I think it causes some problems for the Raptors. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's a, you know, as we talked about before, it's going to be a battle of the benches. And um, surprisingly, I think surprising to all media analytics and fans that the Wizards benches, um, for the most part, outplayed um, Toronto's bench, especially last night. So I think that, you know, what we were talking about earlier with Van Vliet missing, once that comes back, we might see a big change. And um, I'm, you know, hopefully for Toronto that Van Vliet comes back for game four and then uh, we see more minutes from Sanoransky and uh, we'll probably see a really, really fun game in Washington. Troy, what would you say kind of moving forward is the biggest thing to watch for for the Washington Wizards success-wise in games four and I guess for the rest of the series? Uh I would really say consistency down the stretch. Um, we seem to fall apart and play a little bit of hero ball, as I've talked about before with John Wall at the end of games. And if Bradley Beal can't, um, he can't get erased like he has been in the first two games of the series. He has to play like he did last night. And sometimes shooters have to shoot. So it's going to be on Scott Brooks having to get Bradley Beal the ball and being able to um, make a game for himself. And John Wall's got to also be that guy to dictate when Bradley Beal can go in and do that because he's got to be the help factor in that. And he, all, he can't always get a pick and roll and then toss it off to Gortat because even though Gortat can get that easy 16, it might be more beneficial for Bradley Beal to get that 16 because he can light it up at any point in the game if you get him hot. So consistency is number one. Number two, get Bradley Beal going. And then number three, uh, you have to be able to stop um, Toronto's uh, big men. So I think that if Serge Ibaka can have a game in the in the future, like he did with game one, which I don't think a lot of people talked about. It was almost like a quiet, it was almost a quietly great performance by Serge Ibaka in that first game. I think he had 23 and 12. Um, if Serge Ibaka can do that, uh, Toronto will be fine this series. I think he might be like an underlying key factor for you guys. And Washington's going to need to counter that with some great auto Porter play. So we're going to need some big man defense by guys like auto Porter and Morris um, down the stretch. Josh, what would you say is the Raptors? Um, I think they just need to get back to what they're doing in games one and two for the most part, honestly. Um, I, I think they need to stop overreacting <laughs> to some stuff the Wizards do. Um, like, again, like the John Wall shooting last night, like he was hitting his mid-range jumpers. That's great. Um, you know, like I think the Raptors should just take that. Um, they, sh- they should let him shoot him because, again, he, he hasn't been good at them all season. And he got hot last night. And overreacting to hot shooting is not great, typically. Um, and it sent the Raptors scrambling in uh, game three. So, you know, that fix that. Try not to overreact. Um, you know, stay home on shooters. Uh, better passing, crisp passing. Um, more movement uh, that they lost a little bit in game three. Honestly, I also think they, they maybe came out a little too confident in game three. Um, they didn't come out like a team that wanted to uh, just end the series. And, I, and I, you know, I... Washington didn't necessarily come out uh, super desperate either. They they did later on, but like to start the first for the first few minutes, it was like really slow for both teams. Yeah, I I saw the same thing, and I think yeah. it really wasn't until the third quarter you kind of saw Washington have that oh crap moment, like this is could be the end, and you saw with like you saw John Wall run into the stands and finally get pumped up for the first time in the entire yeah. series. It kind of threw me off that they came out so relaxed but yeah they did obviously do enough to win the game and to your point about John Wall um overreacting to the mid-range jumpers he was 12 23 had 28 points which is obviously huge for them but he also had 14 assists and I think a big part of that was that he was hitting those mid-range jumpers you saw Jonas Valanciunas kind of react try to come out at him contest those more heavily and that's when you got Gortat going and kind of fed him early in the second half yeah yeah that's that's the issue as soon as you know Valanciunas um that was one of the issues that he, he wasn't in the game uh, as much Casey had to keep pulling him for that reason um the, the overreacting a little bit on you know coming out on guys and as soon as he comes out on guys the other option opens up and like that's how Gortok got a lot of his points was you know Wall figured that out as soon as he was able to get you know close enough that he was able to draw Valanciunas out from under the rim, he would hit Gortat every time, and then Valanciunas is, was too slow to react to, to stop those easy buckets inside. Um, you know, stuff like that, little things, those are the things that they need to fix. Um, 
they, they had a lot of little issues as well. Like, they just seemed to be in their heads a little bit. Like, the defensive three-second violation they had at one point was really weird for them. Um, they were all just standing there. It was kind of strange, and I noticed that they just seemed to be off in a lot of ways. Um, they need to get back to what they're doing. Try not to let this rattle them. Um, do get back to feeding Valanciunas inside and more pick and roll, maybe. Um, that way, see how that works. Uh, it, it's been great for them this series so far. Again, if Valanciunas can't stay on the floor defensively, then Casey will pull him. So he, then obviously his offense becomes neutralized because you can't use him because he's not on the floor. So, you know, um, I think those, those are some big things. Size is the real big advantage that the Raptors have. Obviously, Washington's not a great rebounding team. Um, they don't really have a great rim protector. Uh, Gortat's their best option there. Um, they allowed like 66% shooting or something in the in the restricted area this season. So, you know, attacking them inside is still the best option. Um, the Wizards did a really good job in Game 3 of closing out on shooters um, because Toronto has been, you know, it was one of the concerns about Toronto coming into the playoffs and all season long is can they shoot? They can get the open shots, sure, but can they make them? And they have been making them. And uh, Washington closed out a lot better on them in Game 3 took a lot of those shots away. And uh, I think the Raptors, they didn't really figure out how to respond to that very well. Um, so they're going to try need to get inside a bit more, I think. And, uh, yeah, you know, um, stop the turnovers as well. Do you think at one point Coach Casey went with the super small lineup, um, talking about JV being taken out of the game due to defensive issues? Do you think that Coach Casey will go with that small lineup again? I thought it was odd that he decided to pull out to go that small, he had Siakam at center. It wasn't even a Siakam-Abaka combination. Um, he went that small. I thought that was odd, seeing as it's something that he's, I mean, i done 0% almost this season. I think that Siakam's played like 1% of his minutes at center. Yeah, I mean, that's when they, they were down big at that point, right? That yeah, was so I, maybe it's just try to do I, something. I think, I, yeah, I think that was just trying to find something. Because um, Lorenzo Brown was also in that lineup, right? Yeah, um, that's correct. So, yeah, I think that was just Casey looking for some kind of answer that you know wasn't there. But, but he has done that a couple times. Played lineups that just hadn't played that much in this season, and it's it's a little uh, you know it's playing with fire because the Raptors are super deep. They're one of the deepest teams in the league. But, um, you know, when you mess around with lineups a little too much, and you have some that guys just haven't played with each other before, you know that's dangerous. It might work. Um, and it might not. That Bay Bay lineup in game one uh, had only played like nine minutes together or something in the regular season, like barely played together at all. And it worked because of the moment that it, he put him in and the lineup, um, you know, that he had Lowry, Bay Bay had Lowry with him again, which was or, historically successful. So ended up working out. But, you know, there are other times where, you know, it's it, the other side of that is it, those lineups haven't been tested and they just... Uh, they don't work. And yeah, that lineup specifically, I, w I don't think we're going to see too much more of that. It was like three point guards and CJ miles on the floor. Like that's really small. Yeah. Uh, and the defense there is concerning, um, you know, and again, Lorenzo Brown in that lineup. So I think that was just a, I think that was just a lineup to try to find at the wall. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, well, this goes back to something I wrote about earlier this season. It got a lot of flack that I thought coach Casey should mix up the lineups more, not, only out of to make the team more successful in the regular season but I think it just gives you more diverse looks when things become more matchup oriented during the playoffs and I think that the fact that we've continuously kind of done these platoon lineups which is great when it works but when you see one injury like this to Fred Van Vliet it throws everything off and I think that we would have been better served during the regular season kind of mixing and matching lineups a little bit more, just trying different things and seeing what works. Yeah, and, you know, it's interesting, too, that they're they're going to need to... Um, I mean, they'll have to, they have to stick with what works, but they also need to try and find some kind of either hybrid lineup, which has been tough. Um, Lowry plus bench has been okay, obviously. Uh, that's a, That's been a good lineup almost always since and, Lowry's been Toronto. Yeah, and it was great last... Last year, kind of in previous years, the yeah. Lowry bench units were some of the Raptors' yeah. most successful. Yeah, so those lineups are good. Um, it it sounds like like the Raptors are really downplaying what happened with Van Vliet. Um, but when they're talking about like a bruised shoulder, uh, it is much worse than that. It is he's apparently uh, separated his shoulder, 
So, and he looked, you could tell in the couple minutes he got in game three. I mean, he just, yeah. he looked like he didn't belong on the court and you could tell right away. Yeah. There were like, you know, minus 41 or something in those two minutes. Yeah. Um, yeah, he, he did not look himself at all. Um, he looked really upset when he was sitting on the bench that he just that he couldn't play right. Um, yeah, I feel bad for him, but like the Raptors, if you know this this uh, they're they're trying to downplay this injury, obviously, but you know he's not going to come back uh, as quickly as people think. I think like I think a lot of people are thinking right now that he is going to come back in Game Four, um, and I, I that seems really unlikely now, knowing that it's a, it was a shoulder shoulder separation, not just like a, a sprain or a bruise. So. Casey's got to find something that'll work uh, w- without him in there, and maybe spread the minutes around a little differently, and maybe maybe give um, OG and Lowry some heavier minutes. But uh, yeah, we'll we'll have to see. But yeah, I, I don't expect uh, I don't expect Fred Van Vliet in Game Four. Me neither. And to be honest, I'm not sure I expect him uh, the rest of the series. I would think that they'd probably try to get him, particularly if you get a win. In game four, yeah. I don't think that they would risk putting him out there. Um, if you have a 3-1 lead, and if it's 2-2, maybe it's a different story, and you have to try to do something like that. And they can win without him, too. They've proven it. So, you know, they don't they don't need Fred Van Vliet. Sure. Uh, it's obviously yeah. much better to have him, especially on the road, when the Wizards, you know, are, aren't there better at home, obviously, and role players always play better at home, no matter what your team is. Um, but, yeah, the Raptors don't need Van Vliet, and they need to, they need to play, like, you know that they don't need him, especially the bench. Yeah, this isn't the Boston Celtics losing Kyrie Irving. He's your backup point guard. Um, you've been he- relatively healthy all season. You should be able to overcome kind of this one injury. But, yeah. Um, guys, any kind of more lasting thoughts for Game Four? Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, kind of going off what you guys said just then with the hybrid lineups. Something I've been waiting for, and a lot of you know. Washington generals I'm waiting for with this series with the play of Mike Scott is that small ball hybrid lineup. We kind of want to see that Porter, Mike Scott, Kelly Oubre, Bradley Beal, John Wall lineup. And that's kind of what we've been wanting to bring out. Um, so if Toronto does figure out a hybrid lineup, that would be awesome to see those two go against each other. Um, and also with the big man with um, Lucas and Jakob being kind of thrown off, uh, something that's been kind of underrated for Washington this series, which I haven't brought up yet, is Jan Mahimi. Um, playing pretty well these past two games. I think he's had three blocks each game, and um, he's been kind of a great guy under the basket, and he's been kind of uh, limiting any work um, under the basket and making guys shoot. And when C.J. Miles is off, um, Toronto's bench has been great, uh, as we saw last night. So uh, he was fantastic in those first two games, and DeLon Wright obviously has been great for what they've been asking him to do. So if we can throw C.J. Miles off again, it will be an interesting game for um, but I still think my keys to the game are pretty much the same. Stay aggressive. Um, I'm actually surprised nobody was thrown out last night. I don't know how you guys feel about that, but <laughs> I'm, I'm really surprised. Um, and I hate saying this as a, as a Washington fan, but I'm really surprised that Bradley Beal wasn't tossed. Um, so I would definitely expect the same uh, aggression from all those guys and maybe even expect uh, you know, a toss out. Hopefully not you know, one of our star guys, but um, you never know. I'm glad they didn't toss anyone out in the game. In the playoffs, I think you I agree. If that's a regular season game, go ahead and maybe toss him, keep it civil. But during the playoffs, you know, unless you're doing something just totally dirty, trying to injure someone, for the most part, just let him flagrant him up and let him keep playing. In my opinion. Oh, I agree. I mean, I wish you know the NBA was more like that and the referees did let stuff go like that. So I was excited to see the referees let them just play basketball, and that was I was really happy to see that. But they've just been so um, on top of throwing guys out for any kind of, uh, yeah. you know, com- combating nature. So, um, but, yeah, I would expect to see that as the key to the next game. I think Washington kind of figured out that the only way they can maybe beat Toronto because they're just better than Washington is getting in their heads, kind of like how you guys have been alluding to. Toronto needs to just, like, not let Washington get in their heads, and I think that should be the key for Washington is to get in Toronto's heads. So we'll see. It'll be a really fun game for yeah, and, and I understand the situation. JV's holding the ball to slow up the fast break, and obviously Bradley Beal is trying to get that going. So then you have that situation where they get tangled up. Um, yeah, yeah, like you said, I think it plays to the Wizards' advantage. The more, the less this becomes who's better at basketball, the more this becomes kind of a scrappy fist fight of a game. I think that plays to Washington's advantage. 
um, and typically does play to the underdog. I can't believe out of all the fights that we've had so far, like all the ones that happened last night, that neither were between Ibaka and Morris. I thought Ibaka was... tried at the end there. Yeah, he did, yeah. To get involved, but yeah. Wall said something or whatever, and Ibaka just was going to go for it. I, yeah, those two guys are like, they, they're pretty high up in technicals this year, so I'd not be surprised if they went at him at some point, but I couldn't believe it all the, like, I can't believe OG was involved in something last night. Like, that guy doesn't say anything. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I thought if you were going to pick any two people, it would definitely be from the Morris. I mean, Morris is scrapping with everyone. His brother's got into a couple scraps. For oh, the yeah. Celtics already in Surge, it seems like Surge tries to get into a fight once a week. So, yeah, yep. of all people, those two I mean, you could, out of it. You could pretty much say good morning, you know, in a, in a low voice to Markeith Morris, and he would probably try to go <laughs> after you. So, I mean, Markeith Morris is just trying to fight everybody. <laughs> yeah. Well, guys, um, thank you for joining me. Uh, depending on the rest of the series, maybe we'll do this one more time. Uh, before it all wraps up. Uh, thank you guys very much. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.